This is Wake Up Call. Another kind of daytime radio program. On the Sports Map Radio Network. All right. All right. Let's do this. Alongside Ron Culver. Here's Tony D. Uh, good Monday morning to you. Thanks for joining us. It is Wake Up Call Sports Map Radio. All right, so the big question this morning is, does the NBA have an all-star game problem? Does it or does it not? Because that's going to be debated about whether or not Adam Silver has an actual product that he can actually sell. Or is the declining ratings of this event so alarming to him that he's got to find something, anything, to sort of get a competitive game out there? And who watches the all-star game for a competitive game anyway. So those are the questions that that the NBA has to dive into because last night the Eastern Conference won 211 to 186. The 211, the most points a team has has ever scored in an All-Star game. And you could tell at the end Adam Silver wasn't particularly thrilled with this. There have been a number of things Adam Silver has wanted to do over the last couple of years. And the, one of the big things that he wanted to do was he wanted to make sure that star players were playing when they weren't hurt. So he instituted a big sort of fine for teams that were resting players. It seems to be working. But one of the other things was he wanted the All-Star game to be relevant in some way that an All-Star game can be relevant. But that's the big problem, right? Is what exactly does it mean? What exactly do you want the All-Star game to look like? And until you define that, then nobody really knows what the end result is supposed to be. Are people who buy a ticket for the event, so the fans in Indianapolis that went to the All-Star game, or wherever it is in any year, what exactly do they want? Do they want a East versus West battle? Do they want just to see the stars have fun? Do they want guys taking half-court shots? Do they want dunks? What is it that they want? Nobody seems to know. So it's hard for me to look at the criticism of everything today or the praise of everything today and put it in a context because I'm not really sure what the NBA wants. I'll tell you one thing they do want. They want ratings. That's the one thing they want. Because this is a sellable commodity. This is something the NBA wants to package and sell. And this thing used to get 13, 10, 11 million viewers. Now, granted, it was a different time and a different era. It was on network TV. The All-Star Game used to be on on a Sunday afternoon, not really primetime. It's now on you know, cable TNT, but Michael Jordan isn't playing anymore. Right, Magic Johnson, Larry Bird aren't playing anymore. There was an era where there was a feeling of pride within, those, within the conferences. That's kind of gone. But Major League Baseball has their all-star game done right because there's no clock. So when you go to a Major League Baseball all-star game and you see the pitchers on the mound actually trying to strike out the player, because if they just threw meatballs over the plate like batting practice, we'd be here all day. Right? Players don't want to be there for, they don't want to be in a 21-19 to all-star baseball game. So you got to play some defense. Because if you don't play defense, the game's not going to end. But in the NBA, it's timed. There is going to be an end. And as long as we don't have a foul fest, that clock is just going to run. The buzzer is going to sound, bam, and we're going to have 211 points on the board for one team. So there isn't an answer to this. Do you want guys playing hard? Playing tough defense in an all-star game? What for? Do you not want them, do you want them to take it seriously? Well, how? Do you have to pay them extra to do that? Maybe. 
it seemed to work for the in-season tournament. Remember, the in-season tournament was another brainiac idea by Adam Silver to try to make the middle of the season or around the NFL a little bit more relevant. Right? But it, and it worked for the players. There was a level of incentive. Right? Play in the in-season tournament, win, we get you, we get you a pile of cash. Okay, cool. So there was a feeling of, all right, LeBron James talked about it afterwards saying, well, we got to do something because the competitive nature. Well, you could do something. Don't talk to me about that. Don't lament it. You guys had every reason to play competitive life. Nobody told you not to. This is what you get when you get a bunch of all-stars that just want to throw it out from 60 feet out and laugh about it and carry on about it. And everyone's allowing people to dunk and showcase skills. All right. So what exactly do you want? But does anybody ask the fans what they want? Maybe this works. Maybe we don't watch the all-star game because in the end, it's an all-star game. And the NBA is not really a compelling product right now. Maybe that's the reason. But I know this. Adam Silver is watching the ratings and they are plummeting. And it's plummeting a lot. I mean, again, I understand the Michael Jordan era was a little bit different, but again, you're talking 13 million, 11 million, 12 million viewers for all-star games. And now if it gets five, it's good. It will get four one year. I mean, it's, it's, it's something that's not packageable and sellable. And I think if you go to the players and you say it on that level, maybe there's more of an interest, but as long as there is an, a, a chance of getting hurt in this game, players are not going to put out the effort you're going to want them to put out. The NFL gave up on its all-star game as a legitimate contest of actual football. It gave up on it, and probably rightfully so. The NHL had never had defense in its all-star games. Now it is a got a couple of captains. It's like three-on-three in three a goalie, and there's like three teams, four teams, and they're playing some like like tournament. Only Major League Baseball and the NBA Bring out a product that's exactly like the product you would get any night you watch the regular season. Last night was East versus West, four quarters, 12 minutes. Now they've toyed around with that. There was an untimed quarter one time. They've, been all, they've tried all sorts of different things. Captains picking teams. They haven't found the right formula. Major League Baseball, they've got the right formula. American League versus National League. We play nine innings. You do the very best you can, and we, 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 we play a little bit for pride. They used to play for home field advantage in the World Series. It kind of wasn't a bright idea, but at least it was something. But now they, they got rid of that because it wasn't really necessary. But if you're too young, your, dad, your dads know this, and if you are a certain age, you do know this. What the Major League Baseball All-Star Game had for a very, very long time was there was real National versus American League pride among the fan base. If you lived in a National League city, like, let's say, Pittsburgh or Philadelphia, right? you really felt that that team you rooted for played real baseball and that the American League, with its designated hitter, didn't. They didn't have a strategical element that was missing from the National League game. And the American League cities, like if you grew up in Boston or if you grew up in you know, you know, Kansas City, there was a feeling of that this was a better brand of baseball, that who wants to see pitchers hit? Who cares about the double switch anyway? 
that in the end, you put the best nine batters you possibly can together. And there was a real debate about that. And there was a real argument about that. And the two leagues didn't meet until the World Series. And the All-Star Game was also the only place back in the day where you could see a star from the opposing league. They weren't coming to your town. If you grew up in Boston, Mike Schmidt wasn't playing there. Right? Pete Rose wasn't playing there. Right? Tony Gwynn wasn't playing there. And then interleague play happened, and then they did. And now, forget it. Interleague play was a small experiment in the late 90s. Now, forget it. Now everybody just plays everybody, and it's okay, and everybody's got the designated hitter. But that's where the All-Star game can be beneficial. That's where the All-Star game can allow for fan interest because, again, you're talking about philosophical debates about which style of play is better, and the All-Star game is the only chance I'm seeing the guys on my baseball card that are not on my TV because my local team doesn't play them. But the NBA doesn't have that problem. There's no Eastern style. There's no Western style. The stars are on TV all the time. You can't turn around without an NBA game being on sometime, somewhere, whether it's on TNT or ESPN. If you want to see Giannis play, it doesn't matter that he plays in Milwaukee. right? If you want to see Kevin Durant play in Phoenix, you want to see, and you're in Boston, you certainly can. There are games all over the place. You get the season pass if you want to see all the games. So there is a, a feeling of there is that we're losing a little bit, but no one has defined what these games are supposed to be. I love when people say the All-Star game's a mess. Well, how do you fix it? Don't tell me it's a mess without a plan. And be realistic with your plan. An All-Star game is never going to be a 90 to 87 slugfest. Right? Hard defense. You ain't getting in the lane. It's never going to be the case. So then what's the what's the happy medium? LeBron James is saying after the game, the game was a success because nobody got hurt. Now, do you give these guys money? If you give them money, at what point does the money outweigh the, the uh, risk of getting hurt in a midseason exhibition of fun? Like what, what money would Damian Lillard want to be competitive? Like or Giannis or Jokic or Doncic or any of these other guys. What kind of money would it take to get them to be like, okay, now I'll play hard defense. We'll go at it really like a regular game. I don't know if there's an answer to that. And again, if the purpose of all of this is to sell the All-Star game, how much money would you put into it if you're Adam Silver? You know, what, are we going to break even on this thing? So I don't know what the answer is. I know this. Last night, I'll be honest with you. I threw it on. I barely watched it. I looked up every now and then when I heard Brian Anderson say something interesting, like maybe, oh, check that out. I looked up from my computer doing some other show research, but that was about it. I know Carl Anthony Towns had 50 points in a losing effort, but I also know that outside of the 50 points, the Western All-Star scored 136 outside of the 50 that he scored. And that Damian Lillard won the MVP. Oh, and yeah, like LeBron said, nobody got hurt, which in the end is the good thing that happens in an All-Star game, regardless of what the score is. All right, when we come back, we'll talk some other things that went on this weekend and the thing that did not go down this weekend as we continue with Wake Up Call and Sports My Pretty.
wake-up call on the Sports Map Radio Network. Alongside Ron Culver, here's Tony D. All right, thanks for joining us. We continue at his wake-up call on Sports Map Radio. So, the um, again, the NBA All-Star Game, eh, it was all right. It was, you know, all right. I don't, I don't really put a lot of stock in it the entertainment value of something that's not that important. It was fantastic. What are you talking you know? about? I mean, well, like, well, I don't understand when people are up in arms over this. Like, what did you want? What do you like? Tell me what you want in an all-star game. I literally couldn't care less who wins this thing. No. Why are people thinking this game has to be competitive? What, for what reason? It's an exhibition. Like literally, if your kid is nine and watches it and loves the fact that Damian Lillard is shooting from half court, then you've got a then you've got a young fan. What 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 was what is it? What is this for? Like, what is this event? No, I don't understand it, it. It quickly became the uh, uh, NFL Pro Bowl. I mean, that it, it always has been. No, I know, but I mean, but more so now. I mean, there used to be a little competitiveness, like the Pro Bowl had competitiveness, and now it's just. You know, I just go ahead. I mean, there there were so many times you saw guys just drive the lane and everybody I think there's evol- standing and watching. They wanted I think there's seat. an evolution of it. But the All-Star game when I was growing up was always the highest scoring game in in, in on the calendar. Always. Yeah. I mean, it still was like you'd watch a regular season game and be 101 to 95 and you watch the All-Star game and we'd 146 to 138. Right? But it, but but the well, what they're saying is okay, at least there was some formulation of basketball meaning it was it was a display of real basketball even if the defense wasn't quite as intense you still were in defensive sets players had to move the you know move the ball around they had to get into some passing you tried to get it inside to your center maybe kick it back outside for a three and now there is nothing like that. Now guys are shooting from half court. There's no offensive sets. Everyone just drives the lane. No one does anything about it. No, That's what they're saying. But that's just been the evolution of guys going, hey, I ain't getting hurt for this thing. I don't think it's an actual protest. I think they're just like, it just eventually became, why don't we have a good time? What's having a good time? I don't know, shooting it from all over the place. Look at Doncic threw a 60-foot shot. Just because. Just because he could. Like, what? What? what is that? But again, I don't realize, I don't know, I, 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 if you go to somebody who's like upset about this, I would say, well, what, do you, what exactly do you think? Realistically, what do you want? What do you want? And I don't know if anybody just, has an answer. I just found it amazing. Was it 300 or 297 points? Was that the total? 397 points. 397 points. points. Yep. What am I talking about? One team only had 200. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 397 points total. I mean, it's... You, you, when you look at that score, you do have to do a double take a couple times. Sure, in a forty-eight minute basketball game. Yeah, I'm I mean, surprised the, baskets were missed. And the other thing was that again, Adam Silver at the end was upset, but I mean, Adam Silver doesn't know what he wants to do. Like he he has toyed with the idea of maybe like a Ryder Cup esque type of thing, right? U, U.S. versus the world. But he's like, problem is, I the rosters aren't equal. The rosters may not be equal, so yeah, I can't really do that. Now, right? But in the in the <laughs> end, would that be more competitive? Would guys? No, no. Why? Because it's injury is the key, right? I mean, it does a Milwaukee Buck fan want Giannis to sprain an ankle in this thing? Of course not. So you do the you just play it a fun game and have the fans laugh and chill with the players for one night. 
All right. I did want to get to something else from the All-Star Weekend, and that was the uh, three-point event between Steph Curry and Sabrina, Sabrina Ionescu. Because uh, Kenny Smith got himself in a little trouble, I guess, over the weekend from the social media people because he said that Sabrina Ionescu should have been shooting from the WNBA three-point line, even though she had said, I don't want to shoot from the WNBA three-point line. She actually said she practices from the regular line. Now, I'll, I'll tell you this. I think that Kenny Smith was not being misogynistic here. Yeah. I do not think Kenny Smith was putting her down. I don't think Kenny Smith was trying to put her in her place. I think he was making a point. Well, hold on. Why are we doing an event where the male opponent has is doing something he's very familiar with doing as a job? And the female opponent has to do something a little bit more than she's used to in a job. Maybe he wasn't aware that she practices from the three-point line in, in when she warms up and practice and whatnot. But the reality is she doesn't have to shoot from the male three-point line in a game. So I don't think Kenny Smith was really out of line here. I think we're a little too oversensitive now when it comes to these kind of things. I think he was saying... Look, if you're going to have um, Tiger Woods play Annika Sorenstam in a golf match, Tiger shoots from a certain tee, mm-hmm. and Annika shoots from a certain tee. Like, we don't have a problem with that. That's the analogy he came up with, not mine. So he's saying, why, are, why aren't we doing that here? Like, why isn't Sabrina Ionescu in her element and Steph Curry in his element and go from there? And I, I, I don't see... I don't see what what was necessarily wrong with that until I found out Sabrina Ionescu wanted to shoot from the men's three-point line, and she almost beat him. In fact, she had, I think she would have been in second place in the finals of the men's three-point shooting contest. Like she, she made the most, she had the most points like second to Damian Lillard on the men's side from the same line. So I, I don't know why people were like people were writing horrible things about Kenny Smith. Like you, like you keep your mouth shut. You ruined a great evening. What do you mean he ruined a great evening? He was you just trying know. to. He was just trying to make a point. No, it, I think it is. I mean, if she wants to shoot from there, let her shoot from there. Let and, her shoot and, from there. And, sure. And honestly, I mean, and at the same time, I don't think Kenny Smith. I'm a hundred percent agreeing with you. I don't think Kenny Smith was trying to belittle her in any way. You know, saying, oh, you know, young woman, you should shoot from the line that's closer. Yeah, shoot line from line closer. You know, I mean, he was just saying, I mean, like you said, you put it perfectly. You, she shoots from her element and he shoots from his element. That's what That's what I'm, I don't. Yeah, I, because, I mean, you look at the reverse, right? Like you uh, pointed, I mean, the Tiger Woods analogy is perfect, right? You wouldn't have Annika Sorsom shoot from the Black Tees. Right. Or, or wherever. And the, in the same token, you're not going to have Tiger shoot from uh, way up close. I mean, maybe that gives you a more competitive advantage because he might be bombing it over the hole every single time. Sure. And, you know, maybe that would be the same thing with Steph. If you had Steph shooting from the WNBA line, you know, maybe he misses a lot more. I don't know. I don't know. That's a good point. That's a good point. Maybe if he's shooting from the WNBA line, he's like, well, my muscle memory isn't from here, yeah. but I'm a, I'm a professional shooter, so I can adjust. But it may take me a little bit. You know, but I think... I, I, I think mean, she made a very good point afterwards saying, hey, look, I want to sh- I want to show that par for par i'm you know um that we are as we are as capable of this and i, I agree with that like she's just basically saying 
I wanted to shoot from the men's three-point line so there would be no argument if I won how I won. Right. Right? Like if, if, and she almost did. She almost won. Yeah, because you know that would have been scrutinized. Sure. And I think she made a very good decision. So I agree with her decision to shoot from the male's three-point line. When I'm – yeah, like, well, again, I – I just think Kenny Smith was making a, a observation of like, wait a minute, hold on. What, this seems a little unfair. She doesn't shoot from there normally. Now we're asking her to shoot from there normally. Maybe he didn't know she asked to shoot from there. I don't know. I, I, maybe he didn't. But he, I think he was making a point of, hey, why are we asking one of these competitors to do something that's out of their normal routine or their normal parameter of, the, of their playing in, environment? Why are we doing that? And I think that makes a little bit of sense. I don't, I don't think there's an issue there. Right. I mean, if you had a home run derby, right. Would you, and you had the best softball player and she had to hit a baseball, you'd be like, I don't know. And what if she said, well, I've been, I, I train with baseballs. It makes me seem the softball easier. So I'm okay with that. You're like, okay. All right. Well, now we know. So I was glad she cleared that up, but I don't think Kenny Smith is like crazy by any means. For thinking that that should have happened. She, she shot with an, a WNBA ball. So at least she kept that. But yeah, no. I, I, and I, and on, the, on the flip side, I agree with her. Because it was being touted as, you know, hey, look, these are two amazing three-point shooters. One from one league, the other from the other league. And let's put them on as close to equal footing as we can and see what happens. And Steph barely beat her. And so it was, it was a big movement for uh, the WNBA. I guess. Which, by the way, almost every player loves. Every NBA player loves. They just won't, you know, they, they just don't economically support it with their dollars. But they, they, they tell you all the time. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not like they're writing checks to give, the, to give the women pay raises in the WNBA. But they all support it. They all like it. They all, they'll go to the games and they cheer on the teams that are associated with their teams and very vocal about it, so I thought it was good. A good element to bring to the All-Star game. Mac McClung's slam dunk contest was pretty great, too, I guess. He jumped over Shaq. <laughs> Doesn't even play in the NBA. Defending dunk champion. And he's one of the most exciting players of All-Star weekend, and he's in the G League. <laughs> of the whole thing. <laughs> of the whole thing. All right, we'll continue. It's Wake Up Call on Twitter, at Tony D Radio, at Ron Culver. That's Ron with two ends. This is Wake Up Call on the SportsMap Radio Network. Alongside Ron Culver, here's Tony D. Joining us on Twitter, at Tony D Radio, at Ron Culver. That's Ron with two. Michael in Atlanta hasn't tweeted in a while. Uh, 397 points in an NBA game. That's ridiculous. That's like 40 runs in a baseball game, 130 points in an NFL game, and that's like that's like a goal in soccer. <laughs> nice, Michael. Ouch. I appreciate it. Ouch. Yeah, 397 points is a lot. For I think it's more game. than 40 home runs, though. Yeah, I, 40 runs. Yeah, 40 runs. I think it's, I, I I think, a, I think it's more, you know, give baseball a little bit more. But cut. he is the math guy, so I don't want to go against. <laughs> Michael has given us deep, deep math analytics in the past. That I'm not really sure I want to challenge him Except on. For that soccer thing, that kind of hurt, man. Yeah, it's a little jab, but nevertheless. Jeez. Nevertheless. That was a lot of points last night. It was a little silly. Um, so I, That's why I said I was surprised people actually missed. Yeah, yeah. There's really no reason I mean, and maybe, to. And, you know, like Steph Curry, what was he, like three three three-pointers for 27 or something yeah. like that? I'm a little disappointed in him. Maybe he, I guess he needs people in his face. 
to Maybe shoot so. the ball? Maybe so. Because he was terrible from beyond the three. I don't the get it. I don't get it. Um, LeBron James, who only played a hand for 14 minutes, I think. He's got an ankle injury. He's kind of wanting to rest up. He's 39 years old, so he wasn't going to yeah. give an all-out effort for the All-Star game. It was his 20th All-Star game. They did ask him about his future, though. And they did say, you know, hey, what's, you know, you have an opt-out at the end of the year and whatnot. And he says, I'm a Laker, and I'm happy and very happy to be a Laker the last six years. Hopefully it stays that way. But I don't have the answer to how long it is or which uniform I'll be in. Hopefully it'll be with the Lakers. It's a great organization, so many greats, but we'll see. And as everyone, you know, if you're following this league, kind of know, there was a move to, there was an uh, in, inquiry onto LeBron James's availability by Golden State and possible trade. There have been pundits who have said the Lakers need to look to the future and trading LeBron James now might actually be beneficial. They're currently ninth in the Western Conference or just ahead of uh, Golden State. They are clearly not as young as some of the more exciting teams in the league now. So Oklahoma City, Oklahoma City is young and very, very good. Minnesota is young and very, very good. Denver, the defending champs. Phoenix is, is, is rising. Clippers have been fantastic. Once they figured out the James Harden thing, they have been great. And so there's a lot of, you look at the Western Conference, you know, maybe a run to the Western Conference Finals like they did last year eh, isn't, isn't going to be, maybe not in the cards. And so the Lakers could look forward. But as long as you have James, you, you know, you have one of the more marketable guys in the league, regardless of what your record is. You get on national TV more, et cetera, et cetera. But you're the Lakers. It doesn't really, you don't, you're not really concerned about those kind of things. You're the Lakers. You care about the banners. And do you look to the future? But one question is now starting to pop up a little bit, and that is concerning his son. Because I don't know if anybody's noticed, Bronny James isn't all that awesome at USC. His statistics are kind of eh. In fact, a lot of mock drafts don't even have Bronny James drafted in the first two rounds. Hey, should decide to uh, try to play with his dad. But the other issue is, does it matter? Does somebody give Bronny James a, 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 a pick because it could bring LeBron James in a deal so he can have one season playing in the NBA with his son? Does it matter? I don't know. That's a, it's an interesting question. Because if you are LeBron James and this is what you want, well, maybe you go out and say, hey, listen, um, I, 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 if I make my point clear, I'll make my point clear that, hey, listen, whoever, get, whoever drafts my son, I will work out to try to get on that team. I, I, don't, I don't know. But, but again, by all mock drafts, Bronny James isn't exactly going to isn't exactly lighting up the draft board. But again, I've seen crazy reasons to draft a guy in the first place. And maybe just maybe it's one of those situations where you go, "All right, I'll take LeBron James's son even if he's not necessarily NBA ready. I will take him so that I can have LeBron James attached to it." But is that really worth it? I mean, we're talking about one of the one of two draft picks, and LeBron James will be forty. And again, he keeps himself in great shape. God bless him; he he really does. But I mean, you're going to do that for what one year of of attention? Yeah, you know, one year of does it does it warrant that? Yeah, you know, I know we've had you know fathers play with sons, uh, you know, most notably in baseball. You know, we had the Griffies playing together, and I think we've had we've had other father son duos uh, play together. Basketball, I don't know if it works as well. I don't think it, it will. It's hard and, to work because if you have a you know if you have a son 
one, he's got to have this. He's got to have the ability to do it. And the NBA, that funnel is a lot thinner than any other yeah. sport in America. So the second part of it is, is that, and oh, by the way, one other addition to that, you know, this is not like an NFL could just take a, yeah, all right, let's take a flyer in the sixth round on a guy or in major league baseball where they could just take a flyer on the 20th round pick and maybe stick him in Asheville, North Carolina for a little bit in the NBA. You get two rounds. That's it. That's it. Two draft picks. Yep. And you better set yourself up. You can't, take an experiment or take somebody that's like, Hey, I don't know. Let's take a chance. I don't know. Let's see. Is there a chance that he goes undrafted? It's very possible. Very, very possible. If he goes undrafted, then you can extend an invite to the G league or whatnot and have him go there. And then maybe, you know, late in the season when the games don't matter anymore, we've seen it all the time where they bring up a guy, sign him to a 10 day deal. And then there you go. There you have your moment. Well, that's probably the only way that's going to happen. And he's a freshman, and I'm telling you, if he, if he wants to play with his dad, the only way he's going to do that is next year. I can't see LeBron being 42 years old waiting on his son to get to the, get NBA ready at a USC. Like, it's, I mean, you know, father time is right there, right? I mean, it's right there. So if it's got to be one year and done, and then into the league, and then just have just see the power of his father to see where who wants to pick him. Who wants to bring him on board to see what happens? But the guy's averaging five and a half points a game, right? About two assists. Yeah, it's not like he's he's not popping off the screen. He was a he was a five star, four star recruit out of high school, right? Played for with a big school out in California, Sierra Canyon, right? Is that the name of it? The big school out of California? No, that's one of them. Yeah, one of them. Like play, he played there. I think basketball. That's the main one. Right? Any any you know. I mean, he was a very good high school player, but as far as an NBA level, he's not even being looked at as an NBA player, but it may not matter. It may not matter. Look, I mean, if his name was Bronny Smith, he wouldn't be in the NBA or be talked about in the NBA. But, but because the element of his, the possibility of his dad being able to join a team, if you take his son, might be enough to draft him. But it also, teams might go, listen, I... I got a I got a team to worry about. I got a team to look ahead. I don't need a circus. I don't need a sideshow. But you also could be getting LeBron and he he did he said that he didn't know if he wants this or not. You could be getting LeBron on the tour. You could be getting the final LeBron James season. Right. And I think a team market marketing wise would want that for one year. So if if you are the New Orleans Pelicans and you take Bronny James and LeBron says, all right, I'll play in New Orleans, and you're the Pelicans, and you get to do the LeBron tour, and every stop you go to, it's the last one at Madison Square Garden and the last one at the Staples Center and the or the, oh, the Crypto.com Arena. Right? You would be you would be part of the bigger, larger NBA story, and maybe that is worth it for one season to have this father-son duo and also all of the attention that comes with that. And then after that, you can start putting the pieces together for your franchise of what you want to do down the road. That is a very plausible... Like, I think about the Orlando Magic, for example. I think the Magic are a really good young basketball team. Franz Wagner, Pablo Boncaro, they've got a lot of good talent. They're actually pretty tough. They're kind of in the middle of the pack of the Eastern Conference right now. I don't think they'll make a lot of noise, but you know what? They could be a little dangerous in the first round. Okay. Or the Atlanta Hawks, a team that's kind of in the bottom. Or the Chicago Bulls, a team that's kind of in the bottom of the of the playoff picture. Nine, ten, you know, eight, you know, that that level right there. 
I could see them going, hey, look, we're pretty good. We got a good core. Let's bring in Bronny James. He doesn't he isn't going to start, but we could have LeBron there, and it'll be fun. And it'd be just elevate us just a tick up in some sort of level of attention or some sort of okay. I can see that. But is that how you're is that how you're evaluating picks, whether or not you can get another player on board? Well, yeah, it's kind of happened before. Not necessarily father son, but Players are like, yeah, I like that young guy. If you, you know, I wouldn't mind playing with that young guy, you know. But Bronny James is, by scouts' accounts, he's not NBA ready. But it may not matter. <laughs> it may not matter. LeBron James could get his kid an NBA check. Well, does LeBron have two more years in him? That's tough. That's the, other thing, that's the other thing to think about, too. It's like, what if he isn't draft ready? Does he just could forego? Can he wait one year? Yeah. Can he wait one year? Or does... Is it all just talked about like Bronny? Hey, man, you know, just drop out of school. Yeah, right, right, right. Go to the G- right. Just I'll just, find a way to get you up there. And that's why I said, I mean, the only way I can see this scenario happening next year right now is a ten day contract, which you know t- all teams do towards the end of the season. Yeah, you know, it's it's almost like calling up pitchers and you know players from AAA into baseball. It's like yeah. we got our we got our roster set, but you know we'll, we'll give you a, we'll give you a, a chance to be in the show all right we'll continue on twitter at tony d radio at ron culver that's ron with two ends it is wake up call All right, continuing along. Thanks for joining us as we roll through on a Monday. All right, so the uh, Daytona 500 will be run today. Um, That's (laughs) You want to talk about going from huge day in your sport to an afterthought? Try running an auto race on Monday (laughs) afternoon. Try running your biggest event on a Monday afternoon during East Coast drive time. You know what the only saving grace for them is that maybe the Xfinity Series Cup, because that got postponed on Saturday. Yeah, that's... Maybe that goes a little bit longer. Yeah. And kind of pushes Daytona 500 into prime time. That is a 5 o'clock Eastern finish. Coast start for the 500. Good luck. Every, like, you... I thought it was you, 4. You, 4 o'clock for us. 4 o'clock for us? Okay. Yeah, 5 o'clock Eastern time. So, yeah, or maybe, uh, maybe, no, maybe it might have been four o'clock Eastern I think, time. I thought it was three o'clock four for us. Is it? Eastern. I thought maybe sometimes I look in my own lens, Ron. I look at the, look through times well, in my own you know lens. What? That's, that's okay. Might be, quick, it, that's worse. Sidebar, sidebar. I hate when I look at my phone that it automatically gives me my time zone sometimes. Yeah. You know, I mean, I like it. So I, you know, it's quick, like, oh, game, game starts at two. But then I always do the math in my head. It's like, all right, is that two Eastern or two Central? Oh, you, with, when you're on apps and stuff? Yeah. My, yeah. All, my, all my sports apps are based on where I exist. Exactly. So not, it, like, I, I, I can't do the East Coast, is, West Coast math living in the Central when, time zone. When we were in Vegas for the Super Bowl, messed me up constantly. Uh, constantly, constantly. Looking at the time, like, okay, when does that game actually start? What? That's right. It is a four o'clock Eastern, uh, Eastern, Eastern so start. Yes. The, and the only saving grace could be hey xfinity series cup went longer or yeah. maybe there was a, uh you know they there was some like, cleanup needing to be done that took a little bit more if i'm daytona 500 i'm trying to t- i'm telling my crew to 
take time cleaning the track before this thing starts. I mean, in all seriousness, this thing <laughs> is, it's got its Sunday, it's wide open, nothing else is going on. You can, all right, let's chill out. Like, there's a cold snap hitting a lot of the country. Let's sit down and watch a race at Daytona. Nope, here comes Mother Nature pouring in a bunch of water on Saturday and Sunday, washing out the racing. Yep. And then they go, all right, well, now we're on Monday. Yeah. Imagine if, like, the Super Bowl got delayed to, like, 2 o'clock on a Tuesday. Yeah. And you're like, oh, yeah, it's no other time to do it. Sorry, we we tried, but we can't. Yeah, yeah. Are can't you, make are it. Are you allowed to call in sick? Yeah. Two o'clock on a Tuesday. Does your <laughs> boss go? Oh, you have that flu. Okay. Same thing with like the Masters and stuff. Like, imagine yeah. the Masters final round is Monday with the start time of like ten. Yep. You know, it's like, oh, okay. That's why they try to get it in as much as they can. It's like, okay, hey, we'll. we'll uh, Bring in some lights. Turn on the car headlights. We'll do anything we can to stay within the broadcast window where we can maximize our uh, our dollar figure. In, 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 in all seriousness, I mean, this is one of the dilemmas that you have in, in, in NASCAR. It's cool. It's kind of unique that their biggest event is the one that starts the season. But after that, you, you are going to lose momentum no matter what you are. It is hard to go to, like, Atlanta after you had the Daytona 500. Or wherever they're going for the second race, I think it's actually boogieing out west. But whatever the ra- whatever the second race on the calendar is, that's where you're going, and it's yeah, it's a little bit, it's a little lackluster. You just had your biggest event, you gave out your biggest trophy of the year outside of the championship, and now it's going to be raced today if weather cooperates, which I think it is. So, but yeah, that I, I was kind of bummed out because it was if there was one thing I did want to watch on Sunday was the Daytona 500. I was like, I don't think I'll watch that. Yep. Chill out. Don't think I know. Just sit around and wait again. Nah, you can watch uh, Purdue get upset. I could watch Purdue get upset by Ohio State and their new interim coach after Chris Holtman got fired. And watch uh, you know the Harlem Globetrotters play against the Harlem Globetrotters. Yeah, last could night. do that. That's right. Yeah, no Washington Generals needed in that no, contest no. last night. No, just an exhibition match between the Harlem Globetrotters. In all seriousness, um, like the going back to uh, the Ohio State. No, upset. Purdue. I would love for somebody to do some scientific study on how a team, I don't care what team it is, why they always seem to pull off really good outcomes the moment they fire a coach. Yeah. <laughs> they, That's like, true. You know what I mean? Whether it's like yep. the NFL will fire a coach and there'll be an interim guy and then they'll win on Sunday and you go, wow, where was Jeff, that all season? The biggest one, Jeff Saturday. Jeff Saturday, no, right? Won his first hired. game. When he was hired, we were like, he has no business. He's never been a coach ever and wins his first game. Wins his first game. And then you've got Chris Holtman, who gets fired from Ohio State. Their interim guy you know, guides them to an upset over number two Purdue yeah, in team, Columbus. A team that's destined to win the, the whole thing. Yeah, could win the whole thing easily. One of the betting favorites to win the, whole, the entire thing. Like you Ohio win- State, which probably won't go to the tournament. Pulls off this upset on you know, and and does it does it with an interim coach. Yeah, you there is no shock value at all if Purdue went won the whole if they're the yeah, ones sure. cutting down the nets. Absolutely, you, you almost assume they will. In fact, I don't think uh, I don't even think they'll lose a one seed. I don't even know how much this will knock them down. No, they won't. Even, no, because they'll be one of the top four teams at the end. Of yeah, the day. especially if they win the Big Ten. Yeah, they don't even oh, have yeah. to win the Big Ten. They can just show up in the semifinals and still be a one seed. I mean, they're twenty three and three. I mean, my goodness. The one thing that I did saw on Saturday that I saw UConn just absolutely annihilate Marquette, and I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> UConn is very good. Yeah, I was really liking Marquette, really, and then I realized, 
It could be, but the tournament is wacky like that. You no, know what it's I mean? True. It's 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 so it's so non-conformant. You know, it's Although, hard to. I will say, I do feel confident that UConn will not lose to a sixteen. Yeah, no, they won't. No, they won't lose to a sixteen. But it really is one of those wild. That's one of the beauties of the tournament. It just doesn't go the way you think, just based on talent and outcomes and results during the regular season. It's one magical forty-minute moment. Um, in in a first school, and they can pull it off, and that'll be that'll be it. I mean, I I've learned this the hard way. I mean, I've there have been so many years where I thought Duke was just rock solid, and then, nope, yeah, you know, didn't quite get, didn't get quite to the finish line. But yeah, so I'd love if anybody wants to do an academic study on this. I don't care, like why do teams, and and don't give me the basic answer. Find some like real mental reason why teams go. Well, all right, we're gonna dial it up now. They rallied behind them. They rallied behind the interim coach. Antonio Pierce, you're right, Jeff Saturday. I don't know if Steve Wilkes won his first job as interim coach when he replaced uh, Matt Rule last year. I don't think the interim but coach see, for but, Carolina won his okay, job but, after Frank Reich. But does Antonio Pierce count? Because, no, I mean, yes. Because, I mean, no, but I mean, he was part of the program. Wasn't he? he oh, was, well, all interim coaches are part of the program. Except for Jeff Saturday. Except for Jeff Saturday. <laughs> but all interim coaches are the next guy up because you don't, you, don't, you don't unload – you don't bring in a brand new guy who's like walking in going, I need name tags on helmets. I don't know who anybody is. You know, you're just, what you're doing is you're just basically saying, could you just get us to the end and, and just, then we're going to figure this out when it's all over. You know, like the best example of them all is Steve Fisher. Yeah. Steve Fisher's the best example of them all. He took over Michigan for Bill Frieder and then won a national championship. Right. Um, Bill Stewart in West Virginia football. He took over and was an interim coach, and they won the Fiesta Bowl. It earned him a contract that night. So I, I don't know if it's just the players psychologically going great. The guy we have had issues with or we may have problems with or whatever or we're not responding to is gone, and now we're excited. But even that, like, let's be honest, even that is not enough for Ohio State to beat Purdue. Literally, you could have threatened all of the players' families, and they may not have beaten Purdue. It's not just Ohio State turned it on, and that just means Purdue uh, they beat Purdue. Like something goes on in these things where you go, "Oh, okay." Like there's a real like something just pops. Same thing in the NFL. It's like you get you get an interim coach, and somehow they win the game on Sunday, but. Even if every player was dedicated to winning the game on Sunday and didn't have any problems with the coach and didn't have any issues that required the coach to be removed, they may not win. So somehow there is an extra thing that occurs because that was a pretty shocking upset for Ohio State that has just been pretty bad all year. And here we go. Zach Eady and the Purdue Boilermakers go down and they lose in Columbus. And that's and there's your upset. Also, South Florida upset Florida Atlantic yesterday. But that's hey, when you're 24th, you might as well be 30th in my mind. So I don't know. A South Carolina loss too. They've now got back-to-back losses. You know, just proving once again the point is that once you give South Carolina any credit for anything, they certainly do turn it around to remind you exactly who they are. Well, another oh, team. calm down with the number 11 ranking. Yeah, well, let's just show you. The other team we talked about last week, where they got their first rank, top 25 ranking in four decades. Yeah, Indiana, Indiana, State, Indiana State lost again. They lost again. It the moment you the moment this happens, teams go, "Oh, we're just kidding." Yep. <laughs> Hold on. Whoa, don't do that to us. I mean, two we, in a row. 
you're out of the top 25. I don't you're care. You're giving us national recognition? We don't need that. Whoa. All right, we will continue. It's Wake Up Call. Sports Map Radio. Hit us up on Twitter, at Tony D Radio, at Ron Culver. That's Ron with two ends.